Good morning, Eastside City Church. How are we this morning? Pastor Naomi, she told me to dance, and then she goes, just do this. <laughs> My hips don't do that. <laughs> but you got the drift. If you're joining us on social media, welcome. If you want to smash the like button, go ahead and do that. And please sign up so we can connect with you and put your comments on the back or on the bottom. And if you have questions about the Bible or this sermon today, go ahead and ask and we'll make sure that one of our great volunteers gets back to you. Amen. For those that are in the house of God, this is an interactive service. This is a time for us to get loud. And at the end, I'm saying this in advance, we're going to have an altar call. But it's not just an altar call for salvation. It's an altar call for illness. It's going to be an altar call for people with anxiety. It's going to be an altar call when an earthquake strikes you, how you're going to be able to, with the Lord's help, get through it. This morning, I'm going to be talking about an earthquake in a story that my wife read to me some 35 years ago. Does anybody here in the house of God remember eight tracks? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Well, I was one of the guys that was praying that eight tracks would come back when cassettes hit us. <laughs> and my truck showed that. The truck I used to drive had a great big rust hole in it. And when it rained, water would splash up and hit my wife. So we put a rubber mat in the way, but she had to remember not to step on that mat. One day we were going through the Rocky Mountains and it was at a time when AM radio would let you down and you'd just get past Banff and it'd be quiet. And that was a time that me and my first daughter we'd allow mom to read to us from her girl magazines. Do you remember those magazines? It was where people like me learned the magnificent mind of women. And I thought by listening to those stories, I'd be able to figure out my wife. And I thought it was an inside track to her heart. Well, it wasn't, and I'm still 35 years later trying to figure that one out, but... <laughs> One of these stories hit me so hard that it changed my life. I'm getting indicated. There we go. It changed my life. It talked about God's faithfulness, endurance, steadfastness, a God in heaven who doesn't walk away from us. Faithfulness the seventh gift from the fruit of the spirit is a big word. It's not as big as salvation. It's not as big as healing. But this word faithfulness affects every relationship that you'll ever have. Your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ with one another. Faithfulness, dad, is when you don't leave your children and your wife behind. Faithfulness, faithfulness, mom, is when you love your husband and you keep the enemy out 
and you gather up your children and they know that you're always going to be mom. I will share with you a tender moment that I always had a mom that loved me. Mom, stand up for a minute. Amen. Uh, I might, this might be a bit of an overshare, but we celebrated our 80th birthday a month and a half ago. 80. But I'll tell you something. I had more than four dads in my life. And when the relationship ended with my mom, the relationship ended with me and my brother. And we were left behind. And so I'm sharing this with you because there's a point. And the point is, every time I started to love a man, he left me. And I know that some of you have that same story. And no one taught our family that there was a God in heaven who loved us. Nobody taught us that we were actually commanded not to call anybody on earth father. Jesus says, because you have one father, and that is me. So regardless of where you are at this morning, if you remembered one thing from this sermon, that you have a heavenly father that loves you, I've probably hit the mark. But there's way more goodness in store for us today. I pray. So before I share this story that impacted my life and changed the course of my family for 34 years, I want to set the biblical stage. It's located in Psalm 46. If you have your Bibles or if you have your smartphone, please turn to Psalm 46. And you might want to highlight this for the next week. Psalm 46 says... God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help. Everybody say, always ready to help. In times of trouble, that's good. So we will not fear when earthquakes come. What do you mean? Earthquakes coming? When mountains crumble into the sea. Is the Lord, our loving Father, talking about catastrophic events where hundreds, if not thousands of people can perish? Yeah, he is. It's a warning. Skipping to verse 10, it's my favorite part of this verse. The word of God says to you from your heavenly Father, be still and know that I am God. Everybody repeat this with me. Be still and know that I'm God. Here's the story. It's called A Father's Love. And for what I've been able to ascertain through even studying and scripture, but also the internet last night, this isn't a fake story, at least not that I'm able to tell. The worst critic said, it's probably a true story. We can't prove it isn't. 
But most people over the last 20 years have agreed that it is a true story. So let me read it to you. On December 7th, 1988, at 11.23 in the morning, an earthquake devastated the northwestern section of Armenia, killing upwards of 60,000 people, 22,000 by the first earthquake, more on the second earthquake, and third, when rescue workers tried to rush in there, a plane full of rescue workers in a helicopter collided. So even people coming to help met their peril. In a small town just after the earthquake, a father named Samuel rushed in. He visualized where his kid would be when he went to school. See, Samuel walked his son, Armand, to school every morning. To the best of his ability, he was a faithful father, like some of you are. Tentive, caring towards your children and your wife. When the earthquake came, nothing had touched his house. He left Danielle, his wife, in the safety of his home, and he ran on foot to the school. And the school was devastated. And if you could show us, please, picture one. This is my hero. This is Samuel. See cement that's on his um, shoulders and in his hat? In all the confusion, what's our hero doing? He's praying. In the middle of a catastrophe, he takes a moment and he kneels down near the site of maybe where his son has been buried and he begins to pray. What Samuel does next is he starts to remove the rubble and the debris, one rock at a time. For two hours, Samuel by himself works in the proximity of where his son may be. And a policeman comes up to me and comes up to him and says, sir, you might as well go home. You can't help anybody. They're dead. And he ignores the policeman and he keeps on digging with his bare hands, removing one rock at a time. He then works past eight hours, 16 hours. He soon begins to work past his own physicality, 24 hours. Other parents are coming up to the, what they call a gravesite, and they wail over their lost children. And they look at Samuel and they say, stop, you can't do any good. Nobody can survive this. It was 6.8 on the Richter scale with a vector of X. And what that means is it's really bad. There's so much energy that's exerted in a 6.8 earthquake Vector six is it liquefies the earth in stone and mason. And without rebar, all the buildings collapsed. Samuel kept on digging. And at the 38th hour, he pulled a big piece of debris to the side and he could hear deep into this crevice voices. 
And he screamed, Amen! Is that you? And his son called, Dad, it's me, Armand. Dad, I knew you were coming. And I told the 13 kids that are with me that my dad, if he was alive, would rescue us. And it calmed him down. And Samuel lifted 14 children, including his own, out of a grave, out of the earthquake that the critics say no one could live through. When the townspeople threw a party in celebration, they asked him if we can have picture two. There's our man. There's Samuel. See the bruises on the side of his head? It's amazing to me. They asked him, what made you go? What made you carry on? What made you not quit? And all he could say is, I promised my son, if he needed something, I would be there. I didn't know it 34 years ago, but I know it today. That's your father in heaven. That's God. That's the Lord that loves you. That's the Lord that says, before you were born, I knew you. I watched as you were knitted in your mother's womb. And I destined you for greater things. Amen. You may not have a father such as Samuel. Maybe the people in your life have let you down. Maybe you feel abandoned or forgotten about. Maybe you're experiencing your own earthquake and you feel buried. The word of God says he will never give up on you. He will always call for you. Whether you're man or woman, boy or girl, you're created in the image of him and he loves you. He's purposed you for greater things. But the Bible talks about relationship. He says words like, if you lean into me, I will lean into you. Call upon me and you shall be saved. At 11.35 in the morning on December 7th, what do you think those people were thinking about in Armenia? How many do you think were thinking about their salvation when the earthquake hit? What would you be thinking about this morning? What you have to pick up at a grocery store? What you're going to do on this lovely summer day? Are you thinking about your children? Your parents? Parents, are you thinking about Monday morning? That's what those people were thinking about. They're normal. Armenia has a wonderful Christian heritage. It was the first nation in the world that 305 years after the um, resurrection of Jesus Christ declared that Christianity... What's his number one religion? 
surrounded by communism, the Russian bloc, Mikhail Gorbachev, Muslims, this country declared themselves a Christian nation. I want to share with you, they knew all about Jesus Christ and they weren't ashamed of it. There was a point where the Armenians were three and a half million people, but they had experienced terrible prosecution, persecution from their government. In the depopulation phase of communism, they went from three and a half million to two and a half million people. They were executed by the hands of a government that was supposed to take care of them. As a nation, when this catastrophe hit them, the United States, Canada, and 111 other nations rallied together in love and offered to send 330 metric tons of medical supplies, food, and clothing free of charge. Mikhail Gorbachev reached out to the president then of the United States, and through that love, he began to soften his stance on communism. He allowed the Iron Curtain to collapse. People were again free to worship their God. And for a brief period of time in our history, they did. And now they're struggling, just like we struggle with their faith. Matthew 23, 9 says, don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. Our beloved pastors are on holidays right now, taking a much-deserved rest. Like you, they survived COVID, but it took an exacting toll on them, as it has you. This has been a bad season for most of us. But here we are, gathered in the house of God. Some of us are a little sicker. Some of us are a little lonelier. Some of us are a little bit more disenfranchised, a little more untrusting of government and authority. You have remarkably survived the worst part of COVID to this point. And for that, I am grateful but our pastors are soon going to come back to us and they're going to once again be our senior leaders and we're going to hear from the voice of God. But right now they're taking a much deserved holiday. Pastor Naomi has been doing a wonderful job. We are so proud of her. Let's give her a hand. But do you find yourself in our man's shoes? I know what earthquakes are all about. As a police officer for over 35 years, I was called to do death notifications. You know what that is? That's when at two o'clock in the morning in uniform, I would knock on your door. You would see a uniformed policeman standing there with his hat in his hand. I never, ever had to tell anybody that an earthquake struck them. They knew. 
I was used by God to deliver the earthquake news as delicately as I could. But I'm going to tell you, I could tell in two seconds who was Christian and who was not, who had hope and who had a lifetime of despair, who dropped on their knees like Samuel and had a quiet moment with the Lord and collected themselves. It began to process the earthquake that now has struck their life in epic proportions. I'll never forget the people that could handle that kind of news well, and the people that became crazy. If an earthquake happened today, would you go to heaven? Or would you go to hell? Will you be with your father in heaven? Or will you be without God for all of eternity. See, unlike our man, you get to make a decision before the next earthquake hits. You get to decide this morning, whether you're on social media or here in the house of God, are you prepared? Are you prepared? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Only those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. There is no other way. Not my words, Jesus's. In a Pentecostal church, and incidentally in Armenia, Pentecostalism was more popular than Catholicism. And blessed the Catholics, but we were ahead. <laughs> just need to put that out there but in pentecostalism we say this who wants to receive the lord jesus christ as their savior and come on forward and we get these babies these people of brand new faith to have to come forward and i was i, I did that and i just remember not god i remember people looking at me and it scared the stuffing out of me and so today we're going to do an altar call. And if you haven't accepted the Lord, I'm going to invite a trick. You blend in with the other people that need to be here. This area right here, this area has been sanctified by prayer all week. Mo, where's Mo? Stand up, Mo. Stand up. Thank you, Mo. This man worked beyond work to clean these floors that were terribly dirty. It, it, they haven't been cleaned for four years. Mo worked all day Monday to clean these floors. Thank you, brother. So this is a cleaned area and it's sanctified by prayer. And I know I'm messing with you a little bit, but I'm also saying this today when I was asked by the senior pastors and the elders of our church to preach on faithfulness, I asked permission if I could do an altar call. They didn't just say, we give you permission. They said, we want to participate. So can I get the elders, please, and their wives to come on up here on the stage? Remember I said this is uh, going to be a participatory sermon? 
These are our elders. When we are sick, yeah, go ahead, clap. When we are sick, when we have sinned, when we have become alone, disenfranchised and separated from the Lord, the word of God says in James 5, 13 to 20, are any of you suffering hardship? Pastor Naomi and our prayer team, I ask that you come up now. Pastor Ron. Pastor Tim. The rest of our prayer team. In my opinion, these are the finest people in our church, short of our senior pastors, Pastor Peter, who are on holidays. But these people, come on, John, our worship leader, Elsie, <laughs> these are some of the finest people I know. And they're going to pray for you today if you'll allow them. If you'll allow them. If you'll follow the word of God. This isn't me. This is the Lord who spoke to me immediately after I was asked to preach on faithfulness. To talk to you today about the faithfulness of your father in heaven. If you have heavy burdens. If you're sick. If you're hurt. If you're not saved, begin to come up and be prayed for by these fine people as I shared the last verse. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray for you, anointing you with oil. And it just so happens, I brought some oil. <laughs> if any of you have committed any sins, you'll be forgiven your sins. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man is great and powerful and produces wonderful things with wonderful results. Our Bible talks about Elijah on how he prayed that there'd be no rain for three and a half years because the nation was so sin-filled. He thought it would be good to get their attention. And after the crops failed and their animals perished, the people started to wake up. And they went to Elijah and they said, Elijah, pray that it rain. And Elijah prayed and it rained. And soon the crops began to produce its fruit and the animals began to come alive again. And the people were able to feed themselves. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, 
You can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of sin. It's time for all of saints, for all of you to come up to be prayed for. You can come now. Don't let the enemy steal your blessing. Don't you dare walk out the back of our church being hurt or sick or disenfranchised. These people are not going to hurt you. I know that there's some kind of hesitation being part of a prayer team for a long time here. I know it's tough. But I'm saying by the power of God, let's burn through this hesitation. Be still and know that I am God. Come up to the front and be prayed for. Do not sit there. Your Heavenly Father wants to pour His love on you. Today, let's do it His way. Today, let's let the saints pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. If an earthquake came at 11.37 tomorrow, in a blink of an eye, would you be in heaven or hell? sitting there and you don't know what to be prayed for then come up and pray for your government the Bible instructs us that we have to pray for our leaders Justin Trudeau I'm going to venture to say he needs a touch of the Lord Jesus the czar in Russia I didn't know this but in Russia czar means Caesar the czar of the USSR, soon to be called again, needs a touch of the Lord. Pray for our enemies. Be an ambassador for your families and come up and pray by name your family members who are not saved. There's a million reasons to come up and be prayed for, but I'm telling you, as sure as I stand here, that the Lord wants to touch your heart. The Lord wants to use you to do his miracles on earth. And God knows we need miracles. Be bold and come forward, I pray, in the name of Jesus.